Hello, everybody. We are back for another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your hosts, Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. Adam, my man, what's up? We uh we went into overtime last week, man. Did two podcasts in one day. Or one day, excuse me. Two podcasts in one week. And uh, it was a good time, man. I would say the numbers were good. I think people enjoyed it. So that's a good sign, like I always say. Uh, I hope that people actually listen to us. And you know what? It sounds like they actually are. So I'm pretty hyped about that. Hey, I'm stoked, too. It was great. I mean, you could have timed it better on Thursday. Maybe we waited an hour. We would have had, uh, you know, live coverage of Mitch Cannon getting announced and Junior Walling's announcement. Yeah, I know. But, that, uh, was, that was bad no, timing. No, it was great. <laughs> it was horrible yeah. timing. As soon as I was like, all right, let's post this thing, I posted it, and I was like, and I saw that news, and I was like, man, really? Like, that's how we're, <laughs> well, <laughs> that's how we're doing things. So, yeah, uh, it happens. It does, but, you know, that's – good news great news actually um you know oregon state did land another commit as well we'll go into that um later junior walling is going to be our guy that we're going next level with and yes i'd pull some strings by pull some strings i mean send one email out and get a and get no response and then just message him on twitter but james rogers is our guest today for the damn hotline he's going to hop on and kind of just talk about everything around oregon state basically his role um, you know, obviously we have to ask him favorite moment is Beaver, um, you know, any special moments he has and then playing with his brother, yada, 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 you know what everyone in the media asks the Roger brothers, the same thing. So I might as well be the one to ask him another of the same thing. But anyways, <laughs> uh, Adam, let's just, di- let's dive into it, man. What do we got for news and notes? Hey man, we are coming up on arguably the biggest recruiting weekend of the 2020 cycle here for the football team. Um, but it's also going to coincide with some excitement on campus as it's move-in weekend. So everybody who signed from the 2019 class, whether it's football, men's basketball, baseball, women's basketball, everybody's making their way to Corvallis this weekend. Should be exciting. Lots of faces, new faces over there on campus getting their first taste of uh, college life and starting the bridge program. Um, it's going to be exciting and a lot of buzz around around the athletic department. And it's just going to create this great culture, I feel like, um, for the official visitors that are coming on to campus this weekend. Uh, it's going to be highlighted by current Oregon State commit, Cooper Darling. He's the offensive lineman out of Gilbert, Arizona, Williams Field High School down there. Uh, announced his commitment just over a month ago. Uh, for Oregon State, he's making his return trip home as he uh, grew up in the Salem area before moving down to Arizona. So he'll be on campus and he'll be joined by, uh, right now we have it as five additional official visitors for this weekend. Um, the big name on campus is going to be Alex Lemon. He's a essentially the number one JUCO defensive lineman in the nation. He's uh, a high three-star rated by 24-7 sports. Uh, I know Lucas Aguilar has his preview piece up on Beaver Blitz right now. In fact, we have preview pieces on all the official visitors up on Beaver Blitz right now, with the exception of Jake Overman. He's the uh, tight end out of Servite High School who we've uh, done next level on probably, what, three weeks ago, I think? Yeah. Uh, Went next level on. Um, His will be up in the morning. I'll be writing that myself. Latrell Bingston is also a highly in-demand JUCO prospect, defensive tackle out of Hutchinson uh, Community College there in Kansas. Um, he'll be on campus this weekend for his official visit, as well as Isaiah Newell, uh, running back or athlete, 
Oregon State's recruiting him as a running back. He's from Las Lomas in the uh, Bay Area there, uh, Walnut Creek area. He'll be on campus. He's got a he's got a good offer list. He's up to 16 offers, and he's one that I think we're going to be watching pretty closely this weekend um, just to see how things kind of go for him. Um, these are in a good position from what we're hearing at this time, and he'd be a, he'd be a huge pickup. The last official visitor right now is uh, Jeremiah Hunter. He's uh, out of Fresno Central East High School. There, he's actually currently committed to Cal. He's one of those bigger receivers, 6'2", 178, that Oregon State's really kind of phoning in on for one of their last slots there for um, the 2020 class at the wideout position. Uh, he's got seven offers. Like I mentioned, he's committed to Cal right now. He's also got Arizona State, Fresno State, and Hawaii on that offer list. Um, but getting him on campus is kind of that first step in possibility of uh, getting him to flip. Um, you know, the Beavs are looking to take at least, well, probably two more wide receivers in addition to Zariah Beeson, who's already on the fit list. Uh, Hunter's one of their top targets, as is new offeree Silas Bolden. For those of you who have been around Oregon State for a while now, you might recognize that last name. This is Victor Bolden's younger brother out of uh, Rancho Cucamonga down there in SoCal. I think the Beavs are in a good spot for him, too. Uh, he is a blur on the field. Uh, the Bees are its first Power Five offer, and I think you could see some uh, some fireworks coming uh, soon from him. At least uh, we hope. Huh? Be interesting to watch. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I watched he, this film a little bit, and uh, you know, I texted Angie as soon as I saw that he, you know, got an offer from Oregon State, and I watched this film, and I was just like, it's so crazy to me. I get it, right? If it's Vic's brothers, so they're going to play the same, but it, it's like their game is identical. But I will say this, yep. for anyone who knows Victor Bolden and how he played and how great of a player he was, I think Vic's a little brother's faster. And I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how that's possible at all. Because when he, when Victor, I remember um, when he returned a kick return against Boise State, I was the off returner. And, you know, I 100% thought I was probably moving as fast as I have ever moved in my life and I was like I am moving and I made a big block and I was just like man and I, st- I I was watching Vic just pull away from me and I'm running full speed down the field like it's probably as fast as I ever have in my <laughs> life like I said and he's and he he passes me like it was crazy so put that in perspective I was a solid like 449 running back like 40 wise so I thought I had some speed to me Vic passed me by that much. And so just imagine Vic's little brother being faster than Vic. That's all I have to say. Put that in perspective. Uh, we I don't know how we're going to be able to have somebody on the team that's that fast. I don't even know what if they make <laughs> shoes for people that are that fast. You might We might just give them track <laughs> shoes and say go. Anyways. Something like that. Yeah, my bad for interrupting. Keep going, my man. It's all good. Hey, that's, the, that's actually been the big debate in the lodge. Who's faster, Vic or Silas? Uh, I think Vic even weighed in on Twitter saying that probably was a little bro, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, you, you, we'll see, I guess. Uh, but that's a that's a big offer going out there to Silas Bolden. He's not going to be on campus this weekend, but I thought I'd highlight that as uh, possibly that third re- receiver that uh, the Beast could be looking for for the 2020 class. Um, you know, we have our crystal balls over on 24/7 for our predictions on. Um, who we think could be popping for Oregon State. Make sure you check that out. I have a couple crystal balls in, as does Angie Machado, our, uh, the boss lady. So uh, definitely I'd be checking that out if I were you. Um, 
outside of that, you know, there's a, there was a group of athletes from Washington that were on campus today uh, for unofficial visits, including Robert Cooper. He's a defensive line prospect out of uh, Spanaway, I think, up in uh, up around the Seattle area. Um, he he was on campus um, as, and I think he's probably in the works of setting up his official visit for some time this fall. Um, outside of that, there's another group of kids on campus then, as is uh, LaShawn Bell, I think, was on campus as well for an official unofficial visit. And he's a defensive end out of Calabasas. So kind of wrapping up there, there's a lot of movement going on, a lot of kids checking out campus at Oregon State, whether in the uh, official or unofficial capacity right now. Um, this is the last weekend that they will be able to host official visitors as they enter a dead period uh, that will run up until um, the middle of August or late August, I do believe, and then they can start hosting visitors again. Mm -hmm. So I would not be surprised if there were some fireworks coming out and some damn rights hitting uh, the Twitterverse coming out of this yeah, weekend. Yeah, the bat so. signal, huh? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got to get that bat signal. Uh, definitely, you'll want to be glued to the Lodge at Beaver Bliss for all the latest coming out of this weekend. Yeah. Is that what you got for us, Adam? Is that it? That's that's about it, I think. Okay. Man, that was, uh, so. you know, usually we go a little longer with the news and notes, so... Hey, that's all right. Um, hey, before... that, that's that's my bad. No, hey, I'm, you're good, I'm man. With the other job, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say before we we're gonna do uh, we're gonna switch over to the damn hotline. But before I do that, um, I just wanted to go back on kind of I wanted to get your your thoughts, Adam. At least maybe your thought in general, just with how this coaching staff is kind of honestly they flipped the switch. They really have, right? And um, yeah. Just the fact of how they approach recruiting and how much different it seems now. And we talked about this uh, either last week or the week before. Um, but really, man, it's it's actually, and I said it last time, that it was a breath of fresh air, right? The fact that we have coaches mm -hmm. now um, you know, who are looking at recruiting differently, they understand what they need to do better, and they're doing that. But, you know, I don't want to put it just on the coaches. I want to, I want to give a lot of credit to all the recruiting coordinators that they have, right, and everything like that. And... I want to give a big shout out to just to the graphics and the people who do the graphics, you know, kind of uh, maybe the GAs, all those guys, because it's seriously everybody. Like It's like they flipped a switch. It's like they find they they really finally understand, you know, exactly what needs to be done and how they need to approach recruiting. Because like we said, we know Coach Smith and his staff, they know football. They know football extremely well, but maybe they were they didn't know social media as well. Right. And now it's. They're in full swing of these things, and I think Coach Smith was like, okay, I don't know if he sat everybody down in a huge meeting room or what, but he was like, hey, this is how I want this to be now. And it's really showing big time just because you just see the difference, right? You see you know, their presence on Twitter. You see their presence around the community, around the state. Um, and just in general, it's kind of like the hype is there's like a heartbeat again, right? Because I think – <laughs> and you know, last season we were we were probably on some life support, man. I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. We were on life support. I was like, we are we need to do something about recruiting, right? We have to change our philosophy. <laughs> we even you know, and it's even a couple months ago, right? It's just we were missing guys that I think that we should get. Um uh, and like I said, man, I just had a feeling I was like, Wow, it seems like we are on life support. But now, man. It's it's like we got a heart transplant or something, man. It's crazy. Uh, everybody is 
you know, I give them a 10 out of 10. Actually, I give them an 11 out of 10 right now with just how much effort they're putting in. And you could see the effort that they're putting in. So um, it, it's super impressive to see. But I just wanted to get your thoughts. I kind of want to just want to see what you think about this kind of turnaround, how quick it's happened. You know, I think I think it's kind of twofold. I think, um, you know, you, you throw Coach Smith in there who's going through his first year last year. I know he had a solid recruiting approach to recruiting as far as game planning, um, what he wanted to do, how he wanted to go about it, and that stuff. I don't think at the time when he was developing it initially, he really had the role that social media could play on his, even as really his peripheral vision. Um, I think it, it, that's really come to play in the last, you know, month or so um, where it's really stepped up. But he, the other factor is, is that I think that there was still turnover, not necessarily with the coaching staff itself, but within the athletic department and the support staff. You saw some interchangeable pieces. You saw James Rogers uh, leave. You saw Coach Riley leave for uh, San Antonio to coach in the, um, was it the AAF, something like that. And then you also saw turnover with the uh, graphics design team, and um, they were looking for another leader and a piece to to come back in. I think Jordan Lang, since he's come on board, you've seen all the edits and everything going out of late. Uh, he's doing a phenomenal job, and he's actually was recognized by one of the uh, um, I don't want to call it watchdogs, but one of those the Twitter handles that you know supports and recognizes uh, graphic design. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, reached out to him and recognized him for his efforts of late. So I think definitely getting that presence has helped it. But, you know, I think a lot of it also stems back from just Coach Smith getting his feet wet with last year and his overall approach, Mm -hmm. establishing relationships for future classes. And I think you're starting to see that, uh, you know, the relationships that started this last year with kids in the 2020 class starting to pay off. And, um, you know, they're laying the foundation for future classes as well with 2021, 2022 athletes. Um, you, You see it at the camps on campus. You know, uh, last week, Lucas and I kind of talked about that. Um, but I mean, there was nearly 500 kids that turned out for the, uh, two half-day camps at Oregon State. So I think it's it's twofold. It's getting the presence and getting the awareness uh, raised to the fan base, and that's generally done through social media, um, as well as continuing to make inroads and establishing and further further establishing relationships with high school coaches across the region, across the uh, Pac-12 footprint, and then branching out to, um, you know, the junior colleges across the nation. And we're definitely seeing a push for some JUCO athletes. And, uh, you know, I credit Coach Timbasar with that. He's the, the primary recruiter of the uh, JUCO athletes, and they're definitely in on some of those top, top-tier top JUCO athletes for yeah. the 2020 class. So, um, you know, props to the – like I said, props to the entire staff and the support system. They're, they're definitely making waves, and I, I think that they will continue to build off of uh, the momentum that, you know, two weekends generated – heading into this weekend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're off to a good start, man. Let's uh, let's keep it going. So yeah. we're going to switch over to James Rogers right now on the damn hotline. All right, everybody. We have a special guest for our damn hotline today. None other than the Oregon State legend himself, Mr. James Rogers. Hey, James, I appreciate you hopping on, my man. 
appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, so let's just dive right into it, man. I know that there, um, you know, it was announced a couple weeks ago by Coach Smith that you are back on Oregon State's football staff. So what is your role with the team now? Or, because I know previously you might have been the, was it the, the director of player development? Yeah, I was the director of player development. But I think it's, it's still the same role, just a similar with a little more stuff. Okay. So, yeah, so, so talk. Similar role. Yeah, can you talk about that a little bit? What is, you know, kind of what, what does your day look like when it comes to being the, uh, the director of player development? The biggest thing is making sure the guys, you know, class checking and making sure the guys are doing everything they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Being that guy that they can lean on and talk to about things. And, and that's one of the, that's one of the, you know, key points for me is yeah. I've been in their shoes before and I'm, you know, I'm not saying I'm closer to age, closer to age to those guys, but they yeah. love hearing what I have to see. And I, and I tell them real stuff versus sugar codes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that that kind of leads me to my next question. With that is, um, you know, kind of what do you think you bring to the staff? Because, like you said, you know, you said you were saying that you've been in the shoes before. You know, I've been in the same shoes. So I, I think once you've done it and you've been through it, you kind of have a different perspective um, for people who are maybe just getting into it or players just getting into it. So, um, what do you think you bring to the staff? Is it you know more football knowledge or more kind of just life lessons? I would, I would have to say, you know, the, the football part of it, not only on the field but off the field, uh, you know, graduating in three years in the term, so I've been in the classroom. I know what they're going through as far as that goes. And then, you know, every day, you know, struggles or whatever you want to call it with football. Like, I've been there. It's where you get hurt. You're playing. You're playing football and you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. So I think that piece is very valuable, if you ask me. Yeah, absolutely, man. I have to agree with you in. Um, so you you were on the staff, right? And then you you switched over and went to the AAF with Coach Riley. Uh, you know, talk about that. What what position you were position coach, weren't you? I was. I was. Yeah, I was coaching but, outside linebackers. Oh, I was okay. Outside linebackers. Hey, okay. Side. I see. That's <laughs> that's a you know that's pretty cool. Can you kind of talk about that? You know, what was that experience like? I mean, I'm I'm a Coach Riley guy through and through. I mean, he recruited me um, and everything. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I loved being under Coach Riley and kind of talk about, if anything, let's just do this. Let's talk about your guys' relationship because I assume that you guys probably have a pretty strong relationship. Um, Coach Riley mm-hmm. was obviously uh, here when you played at Oregon State and so as well as your brother. You know, kind of just talk about the relationship that you two have. Yeah, so, you know, Coach Riley has been, you know, one of those guys that, I mean, any, you know, I used to talk to him. Even when I wasn't here, I used to talk to him. Like, you know, building up that relationship from recruiting and when I get in here, I'm like in his back pocket every day trying to learn football, like what he sees and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward to when I went to Atlanta, and then I ended up, you know, once I stopped playing, I went to play in Atlanta for two years and then to the CFL. He would always call me maybe like once a month, you know, hey, whenever you're done, I have a job for you. And I'm like, all right, coach, <laughs> I'll think about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, just that relationship that we have is, is almost like a like a father son type relationship. You know what I mean? So mm, yeah. he's one of the guys I ask for advice all the time when it comes, you know, football wise. So as far as it, whether it's coaching or whatever I'm doing, and he always challenged me to, you know, well maybe you should do this, and he gives me, he basically gives me advice on what he thinks I should do. Yeah. And obviously I take it, I take it to heart because I mean this is a guy that that I've known for a while, and he kept in touch. The fact that a coach keeps in touch with his players when they leave, I mean, that shows the type of guy he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even even with Coach Riley and me, I mean, he was the fact that, you know, it was the fact that I 
once moving from the East Coast and then ended up in a, you know, in Central Oregon. Nobody knows anything in Central Oregon. I'm a kid from the inner city moving there, so I don't know what's going on. And, and Coach Riley's one of the only coaches who came all the way there just to see me, right, as an in-home visit and everything like that. Um, and, I mean, you know, my story, my road to get to Oregon State was a little different than everybody else's. But, you know, long mm-hmm. story short, I end up getting there, and he's the guy, you know, I'm thinking he's the head coach. He has a million other things on his mind. And he, you know, he remembers me by first name and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the dude's amazing, man. I, I always talk about Coach Riley as being, you know, kind of the face of Oregon State. And, I it, I mean, in my mind, he always will be for what he's done. But, um, you know, let's flip it over to this. You know, a lot of people have been asking. They want to know, you know, what is your favorite moment as a Beaver? I know you've had plenty of big plays left and right. I mean, Come on, man. They call you the, the fly sweep guy. I mean, you basically, people tell me that you basically invented that, and maybe I was a little too young to remember. But, you know, I remember watching you a couple times. And, um, you know, so let's just do that. Talk about your favorite moment as a Beaver. Man, to be honest, I know, you know, there are a lot of plays out there that I could, you know, point out. But I think I would just have to say, I would basically say more so 2008. And the reason why I say the year of 2008 is because not because of the games we were winning. I felt like the team that we had that year, we had a really good team and and had a lot of good guys on the team that we all played for one another. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's something I tell people all the time. You know, it wasn't a year that I had a thousand yards. You know, so that's when we had Sammy Strider, Sammy Allen, Sean Canfield. I think Quiz had just came, but just the you know the the relationship that we had on and off the field with our teammates, which led to us doing some pretty good things and competing to make it to the Rose Bowl, even though we didn't. But I just think that year was probably one of the one of my moments. That's what I say. Yeah. Not a play, but I just valued the relationships that was built throughout the year with those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it's kind of like at least the play. It, it looks like from this from the player perspective from us that were maybe I don't know I got there in 2013 but just seeing kind of what you guys laid you guys laid a foundation man to be honest and that's something that you know I think we kind of forget now because of you know the ups and downs Oregon State's been through with a bunch of coaching changes um, you know and the wins are going to come I always say that but uh, Coach Smith is now here and Coach Smith is you know I really like Coach Smith and kind of what he brings to the table a lot of people say it remind him of coach Riley which he does and he doesn't at the same time but uh, mm-hmm. you know like I said man you guys really laid that foundation it was something that you know I think is going to propel this team even now you know farther and farther just because you guys you know in a way I like to say you guys did all the groundwork right you guys kind of put it put Oregon State on the map in a way you know I know it you know, early in the 2000s they did as well, but kind of just bring it back and kind of bring the hype back to Oregon State. It was something that I thought was crazy to see. But um, last question for you, my man, and I know that people probably ask you this all the time anytime you do an interview, and I understand, (laughs) man, but, you know, obviously you and your brother played together. Kind of talk about what that was like. I mean, I know for a fact in high school I got to play with my older brother, and that was something that was super special to me just as as a role model in general he was for me. So, uh, just talk about it, man. What was it like? Was it, you know, your basic, you know, it was a great time, or was it something deeper than that? I think, I mean, I think obviously when you get to play with a relative, your brothers, and, and something like that, I think it's it's, all, it's always going to be a relationship, but just being able to play with somebody that you grew up with your whole life, and you can talk smack to him when you don't think he's done this right, and vice versa, you can talk to uh, man, you might have, you got to catch that ball. Mm-hmm. And things like that, that relationship that we have, we push one another. So I think being able to, you know, 
have an opportunity to play with my brother was big for me. Yeah. And I, and I'm I'm sure if you ask him it would be big for him because we push we push each other to the limit because that's just how we were brought up. So Yeah. I just that overall experience was great. Yeah, absolutely. James, my man, we're going to get you out. I really appreciate you hopping on, man. I know all the fans appreciate it as well. James Rogers, everybody, and, you know, James, we really appreciate it. We hope to bring you back on soon, my man. Thank you. Appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me. Man, it's always great to hear James' voice. But, uh, hey, let's, it's, it's time to talk about some current players and future players for the program. So let's switch it up and go next level. We're going to hit up Junior Walling. Um the inside linebacker commit out of McNary High School up there in the uh, Salem-Kaiser area. Uh, 6'1", 231, um, good size, moves really well. He uh, was hinted at last week on the podcast by Angie as a uh, the athlete who would be making his announcement at 5.30 there uh, Thursday evening. Uh, he chose Oregon State, his father's alma mater, over offers from Air Force, Army, Brown, Columbia, Cornell, Eastern Washington, Georgetown, Princeton, Utah, and Yale. And I think Cal was probably going to be the next, you know, Power 5 program to mm-hmm. throw their hat in the ring uh, with an offer. Um, you know, he's he's a big kid. He's a, what the number three rated uh, athlete in the state of Oregon and the 17th graded inside linebacker in the entire nation for the 2020 class. So he definitely is one of the uh, in-high-demand athletes and a, a huge pickup for the Bees. But, uh, Marcus, what did you see about his film that really got you excited? Well, what first got me excited was the fact that this dude just plays straight up. It's straight up bully ball, man. And he reminds me a lot of kind of like a Dylan Wynn when it comes to physicality and just bully ball in general because – and when I say bully ball, I mean, this guy really, you see, especially on his film, I was watching people try to block him, and it kind of made me, like, cringe a little bit. I was like, damn, like, people are really trying to, like, they're really putting their bodies on the line here just to get ran over on film. But, uh, I mean, he was running he was running through offensive linemen, running through blockers left and right. He's just physical, man, and he's strong. You could tell in his game that he's just, he's a lot stronger than anyone he's gone up against. When he's in that position and he can use that that mentality and that bully mentality that he has, I mean, it's easy for him, man. And it, it was awesome to see that. But um, he's a really sure tackler as well because he might not be the biggest guy when it comes to linebacker, right? Um, he certainly has the weight. I mean, he can move side to side great. And with that is in the Pac-12, man, it's it's basically just like throw the ball to a guy in open field and let him go make a play, right? And we've seen that time and time again. But um, I really think this guy really is the sure tackler that Coach Smith is going to want and Coach Tibizar is going to want. That's kind of what we've seen is them go for these really sure tacklers, especially in open field. I mean, obviously it's a highlight film, so you're not going to see any missed tackles. But what stood out to me the most was the way he made those tackles, right? They weren't arm tackles. They weren't, you know, he's getting juked out and holding a guy by one arm and then rips him down. It's the fact that he makes that sure square up tackle and he really drives his guy into the ground. And there's plenty of times where there's some shifty dudes that he's going up against. I'd watch, you know, game film and not just highlights. And, man, he did well. He did extremely well, and he tackled an open field. I really like that about him as well. But, uh, Adam, I really want you to come in, you know, with it, with the way his body is designed right now, and I'm only imagining him obviously getting bigger, faster, and stronger once he gets to the Division One level to Oregon State. You know, this guy's real, really versatile, and I like that about him, but <laughs> it's the fact that, Sometimes in the film, he was down as a defensive end. 
Sometimes in his film, he was as at a middle linebacker, and then sometimes he was an outside linebacker. I really like that. That mean that shows me that he has you know the feet for it, he has the strength for it, and he has the instincts and his read and react for it. So I really like that. We could be seeing him maybe play a stand up DN or even put his hand down on the ground, not to be a full you know a full time defensive end. But sometimes you try to find the mismatches in football, and I think with the speed and the size that he has with his aggression, um, I really think that he he could put his hand in the ground at the Division One level, and I don't think he would struggle at all. You know, I, I just want to get your thoughts if you think that's something that we might see, or if you think he stays more as an inside linebacker. You know, I definitely can see him getting moved around. Um, it's really going to be about how Coach Tivasar really envisions the down distance situation type. Uh, utilization of his linebackers. Um, you know, when you're looking at Junior Walling, you look at the measurables, but uh, at the opening down in Oakland in May, he tested in the 99th percentile of the opening athletes. Mm-hmm. And that's like measuring 40 speed, agility speed, power, um, you know, the pe- throwing the power ball is vertical, all that stuff. And he tested in dang near the 90th percentile on just about everything. Uh, he threw the Powerball uh, 39th deep, which was the 98th percentile. Uh, the agility was 422, um, which was the 97th percentile. I do believe that's your three-cone drill yep. um, there. But it's, it's you know, he's he's got the rare combination of um, agility, speed, and then power. And I think that bodes well for him being – able to move around the field and fill different roles in Coach Tipasar's defense. I know uh, Coach Bray's really excited excited to have him in the fold uh, because of that type of versatility. Um, so I, I definitely can see him kind of sliding around being that multi-purpose um, linebacker slash hybrid. Um, and then when you pair him up against or alongside John Miller, the other inside linebacker out of Tualatin, you definitely get that speed, power dynamic, and balance there. So it's it's very exciting to be able to think about the different um, possibilities that this linebacking crew, um, what it can look like in the future. Yeah, and you know I, I hit on it before, but it's just a fact for me that we've seen so many missed tackles, so many, so many open field mm-hmm. tackles, so many opportunities that are missed for the Oregon State defense, um, maybe because guys put their head down or maybe because they arm tackle, but – uh, from the guys that we've got even in the past couple weeks, man, it's just you could tell that Coach Smith and his staff, they want a certain type of defensive player. And a certain type of defensive player is a is a damn sure tackler, right, in no matter what situation. Yeah. And that's why I really like Junior Walling's film, man. It was He was getting double teams, splitting double teams, and then it was him one-on-one with the speedy line or running back, and he would make the tackle, right? He'd break down and, and make the tackle. I really like that about him. You know, I just – If there's one thing I do want to see his game change into, though, is the fact that he's going to have to understand that when you get to the next level, um, you know, he could he could easily still do the bully ball, right? We know that. I mean, he has Mm -hmm. the strength and, like I said, the mentality. But it's the fact that you have to realize when you get there, everybody's strong, and everybody everybody is just physical, right? Besides maybe a slot receiver, but it's the fact that. If he could just work on maybe a couple moves, right? Have just an arsenal of three or four moves that he can consistently do with, you know, without even a thought. I think he would be, I think he'll be a really good linebacker and especially a really good, reliable guy to have and could possibly even be in the mix when he gets on campus, right? Like right away. You know, there's no more just overpowering your opponent, 
at least as soon as you get there because, I mean, everyone's strong, right? He's going to be going up against guys that are older than him, stronger than him. But if he could just work on a couple moves, right, beat his guy one-on-one, maybe with a spin move, right, maybe a swim move, whatever it mm-hmm. is, right, something along the lines of finding a couple consistent moves that he can do without even a thought, I think he goes – I think he, he really competes even – not for a starting spot, but certainly he'll play special teams without a doubt. And then possibly find himself yeah. getting some serious playing time as, as a linebacker. That's what I got for you, man. I mean, I like his game. I like the sure tackler. I like the bully ball. But there's too many times, man, I, I'm telling you, I really rip my hair out sometimes just watching these um, college football games. Not just Oregon State, just all around where, uh, you know, and granted the running back or the receiver, they make great moves. But it's the fact that instead of making a play, you know, a one, two-yard gain or maybe a you know a loss of two, a loss of three ends up to be like a sixty-five yard touchdown run because you know broken tackles or horrible angles or whatever it is, right? But and that's what we've seen for Oregon State's oh. team so many times is they take the bad angle, they do the arm tackles, they do all everything other than make the sure tackle, right? So the more guys mm-hmm. that you get that you don't basically have to teach them, okay, this is how you tackle because it's basic, right? So yeah. the more guys you the don't have to teach lack of that. fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what the, the last staff really instilled in a lot of guys was just a lack of fundamentals. It's sad to say, but it's true. That's mm-hmm. the thing is the Oregon State defense, they haven't won their one-on-one battles. So more guys that you get that can win one-on-one battles, the better. And so that's how, I, that's how I'm seeing Coach Smith and the staff doing it. It's, it's something I'm really impressed with. I really like the guys that they've got, and I think they're going mean, to do big things when they get here. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you're talking about, you know, junior walling and um, kind of the linebacker linebacking core in general. Um, I don't know if you want to expand on this just a little bit, but uh, a couple very popular pieces up uh, on Beaver Blitz right now from Angie. Uh, we have a scholarship tracker that just came out as well as uh, the top linebacker commits this century for Oregon state. And on the current team, you're going to find seven, um, linebackers will make their way onto this list. Uh, mm-hmm. The top tw- when you factor in the top twenty, uh, you look at Kyrie Fisher, John Miller, uh, Junior Wallings on there, and um, Avery Roberts, Addison Gums, Omar Spates. All these guys that are all sophomores and younger, and going to be bringing that youth onto the field this next, you know, fall and the, the fall after for the twenty twenty commits. Um, but I think you're going to see a rise in the play of the, the linebacking core and kind of get back to the level of play that we were accustomed to um, from that group during Mike Riley's heydays. Yeah. Um, you know, our Mark Bankers, uh, the Allen Darlins, the Joey LaRocks, uh, the dog, Derek Doggett, um, all those guys who really, you know, kind of became legends in the Oregon State program um, with this youth movement and uh, talented youth movement. I think we can get back there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you just hope that we can because I think, and I keep saying it with the fact that how the Pac-12 is, and we know what it, you know, what it is about, and that's just it's run, right? We're not a pass-heavy mm-hmm. conference, at least not that I know of, right? We have Washington State, <laughs> but for the most part, you know, your your great athletes are obviously are, you know, they could be either position, but you just look at running backs down the entire, you know, you have someone like Eno Benjamin, J.J. Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're someone looking to play against Oregon State, a Jamar Jefferson, Artavis Pierce, B.J. Baylor, uh, you know, the list can keep going on. Miles Gaskin actually just left, but they still have his name. Ahmed, Salvan Ahmed. Yeah, baller, right? stupid fast, Yeah, unreal, 
yeah. athleticism. Like these are the kind of guys. Then obviously you got your CJ Verdells, um, your die from I mean from Oregon. There's just a lot of great running backs, right? There's a lot of really good running backs in the conference. And so that's what I'm saying, man. We need to get better linebacker play and we have to demand and I and I'm sure the coaches will demand more from their linebackers just in order for them to at least hold right an opponent to I don't know, man. I just don't want to see no four hundred and fifty yards rushing anymore. I'm tired of seeing that. That makes me yeah, feel like I need to come out. Yeah, it is. It really is, and it it makes me feel like I can come out of retirement, man, and and maybe chalk up a couple <laughs> hundred yards. But uh, we let's switch over to this, man. I, we haven't even talked yep. about Oregon State got a new baseball coach. Oof. That's hey, like, we we were starting to talk about it last week, and yeah. then you know. Man, see, this is just bad timing. <laughs> it's just bad timing. Yeah, I'm gonna take the blame. I'll take the blame for that. That's bad timing. Nah, uh, nonsense. I don't know. I don't know why I decided to do it as late as I did. But hey, it is all right. Let's talk about that. What are your thoughts on that? He's the one who made the old state uh, baller I, song, right? Yeah, Mitchy Slick. Yeah, back. you know, it's kind of funny watching the uh, the uh, press conference. Somebody asking about that. Um, you know, because I, I think I had asked. JP on the uh, the podcast if we thought he would be making a comeback as Mitchy Slick. But no, I really like the hire. Um, you know, I think it, it came down to Coach Bailey and Coach Yeski and um, Coach Cannon, Mitch Cannon. And uh, I think, you know, Scott Barnes decided to go with the, the youth of Mitch. And um, it, it's a great hire. I think he's going to be able to relate with recruits really well. Um, being able to retain Yeski and Bales on staff is going to be huge as far as continuing to have the same culture and the, the relationships with the incoming recruits um, for not only this 2019 class that's showing up this summer but um, or this weekend, but also the 2020 and 2021 recruits that are already on the commit list. And that 2020 class, I tell you what, they are – there's some studs that are probably going to go – pretty high in the draft and Justin Thorsteinson and uh, Mick Abel, both those guys are going to be studs and it's going to take a a heck of an effort to keep them Mm -hmm. um, on the commit list and make sure they show up in Corvallis come this time next year. Um, But, you know, Mitch is the type of guy who's going to be here for the next 20, 25 years. He was very well thought of within the Seattle Mariners organization and was really being fast-tracked on there, he was in uh, high single A ball, I think, three years ago. Had moved up to, uh, or excuse me, rookie ball three years ago, four years ago. Moved up to high single A, and then had made the move up to double A. And uh, I think it w- was only a matter of time before he had made his way up to the triple A team and um, started getting some looks to join a staff uh, at the pro level. Um, so to get him in, it really speaks volumes to his passion. Um, for continuing to develop young men and uh, his love for Oregon State. And I think it's, it's a home run hire. They, uh, you couldn't go wrong with it. Um, he has ties to, um, you know, Coach, unfortunately, Coach Jenkins was uh, kind of the odd man left out um, with Mitch coming on staff because they didn't pass the uh, the the bylaws for the third uh, assistant coach to get paid this last fall. Uh so, you know, I think if there's a situation where Coach Bailey leaves um, down the line, Coach Jenkins could come back and be a part of it. And if Coach Yeski, who's had overtures to take over a program of his own, does that, 
probably he'll be a, a hot commodity this time next year. Um, you know, if he gets overtures and ends up leaving, he has connections to bringing a, a, a well-regarded pitching coach as well. So I think I think he can't go wrong with it, and I think it's going to pay off in the long run. We might see a little bit of a downswing as he gets his feet wet this next year. Um, but, you know, he was basically hand-chosen by Coach Casey to succeed him, and I, I think it's, it's, it's a great move. Mm-hmm. I like the move just because I like the – and I think – uh, we've already, you know, just in a way, kind of the Oregon State culture, we've always talked about it. We like guys who have kind of been there and done that, and that's what we have with Coach Smith, but um, that's what we have now, too. And I just I just like it, man. I think it's a good move. I like the fact that, um, come on, man, how many people have a coach that has a rap song? Come on, man. Come on, <laughs> exactly. man. We, we have to put that hey. in perspective. Where does that, la- where does that land? Because that's big, I man. Think- I think that's cool. I, I mean, it's the fact that you can tell that he connects with – he connect. He can connect with his players, man. I mean, he's not super old, right? And um, I just think he has a great chance to build or to keep building on something that's already built great, right? Obviously, Oregon State winning national championships, you have to already have some sort of a foundation. For him, it's not, you know, building it from the ground up. It's him taking over, right? He's taking over an empire, man. The 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 torch mm-hmm. has been passed, and so it's just exciting to see, man. I really like the move, dude. I really do. I just. I just like the fact that we can continue to kind of see these familiar faces come back to Oregon State and actually have a passion for it because um, yeah. we've, we see it all over the country where coaches, not in obviously just baseball, it happens in football all the time, and that's where I'm going to use the example, where someone will say, man, I really want to be here or I love being here, I want to do this, I want to do that, and then something pops up and, you're like, and then you see him, you're like, well, all right, I'll, uh, you know, I'm going to have to leave. Right? Just like Willie Taggart yeah. at Oregon. No Oregon fan yeah. likes Willie Taggart. Right, it's because yep. the fact that he, he really, in a way, basically finessed the entire the t- entire time he was there, because he didn't mm-hmm. have any great seasons. Right, he, people were kind of kind of questioning where he was going with the whole, um, you know, you had the Florida movement, which was really cool. I thought he did a good job in recruiting in a in a way, but mm-hmm. it's just the fact that. And then when opportunity came, he was just like he was telling everybody, you know, I want to stay at Oregon. Oregon's where I want to be, and then leaves. Right, and so I yep. think that's what we've done a great job at Oregon State of doing is just getting guys that want to be here, right? And it's the fact that yeah, yep. if you're successful, people are going to come for you all the time. That's just how it works. But um, you know, I think Oregon State just has a little more pride in you know who they hire, and it's not a shot at Oregon by any means. That sounds like I'm trying to take a shot, and I'm really not. It's just the fact that you look at it. The most recent one that I can remember was Willie Taggart. He did a great job of basically finessing Oregon and. And going on a, you know, air quotes I'm using right now, a recruiting trip in a business suit with no Oregon stuff on while he gets, you know, while he gets interviewed by Florida State. Right. That's yeah. just that's just that's snake stuff. That's stuff that we don't mm-hmm. want at Oregon State, obviously. And I know the Ducks didn't want it either, but, you know, they went through that. And so that's why I like the yeah. hire. I really think that we just have guys who want to be there and want to be here, which is the most important thing in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I got a suggestion. I think Mitchie Slick and Dame Dollar should hook up for a little, what is it, <laughs> uh, three-bar Friday, four-bar Friday? Yeah. Hey, let's, uh, we can, I mean, I don't know how I would make that happen. I can certainly try. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think we, I think what we could do, though, is try to get uh, Coach on the pod. I think that'd be really cool. I, I obviously yeah. know he's probably busy. Um, you know, I was going to try to get Adley too, but I was like, you know, he was just a number one draft pick. So I'm going to go ahead and like, let him enjoy being the number one draft pick. So, 
and uh, adding to his uh, wall of fame there with his trophy case. Oh, that yeah. Guy, that guy's won everything. He really everything. has. Like, everything. You know, before we go, before we wrap this up, I have to say I actually am disappointed in the Pac-12 conference on social media right now. I saw something that they had him as the what? ninth best, the ninth best athlete in the conference. Give me a break. What? Yeah. You didn't see that? No, I didn't. Yeah, they rate they blasphemy. They yeah, that's exactly. I almost threw up in my mouth when I saw it. I was like, I was like, you guys are kidding me. He's the number one draft pick. How is he not? How is he not the number one athlete? He's literally done. Yeah. He won every baseball award that you can win. Ever basically, yeah. <laughs> and I don't understand that. I was I was so salty. I was so bitter. And like like I said. I'm not a huge baseball guy, but like I'm getting into it, and obviously I'm going to be biased because it's Adley. But mm-hmm. come on, like give us a break, man. He's a. What else does he need to win? Like what else does he need to do? That's what I don't understand. Like what out of you're you're telling me you can find eight other athletes that are better than Adley, who's the number one guy in baseball? That's foolish. That's blasphemy. I almost called the Pac-12. I, I almost called the Pac-12 network and just lost it. And I don't, I don't, I feel like I don't lose it too often, but I think I almost did. I was on the verge because that's just, like you said, man, it's blasphemy. It's foolishness. I like threw up in my mouth a little bit when I, when I saw that. You got me going down a rabbit hole. I got to look it up now. Yeah. I'm telling I'm you, looking. man, it's absolutely unbelievable. Anyone who hasn't seen that, go look at that. I'm not saying don't, don't let Pac-12 Network's you know, know that I told you to go look at that and complain <laughs> because who knows down the line, maybe I, I'll get a job with them and then they'll come back and be like, well, you were complaining to us on your podcast. And I was like, well, I don't know what to tell y'all because that was a bad move on you guys. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm not finding it right now, but that, I'll definitely look into that later. Yeah, man, you'll have to. It, it's actually pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> let's wrap this up, man. Thank you guys yeah. so much. We're listening to another episode of the Damn Recruiting Podcast with your hosts, Marcus Greaves and Adam Nicholson. We'll be back next week on Thursday. 